If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf and welcome to another episode of Cleaning Up the Mental Mess, a podcast dedicated to helping you take back control of your mental health and life. In this episode, I chat with Elaine Birchall, founder of the Canadian National Hoarding Coalition and co-author of Conquer the Clutter on how hoarding and mental health are connected and how to overcome hoarding and clean up not only your mental mess, but also the physical mess. Elaine also shares some practical strategies for getting out from under the overwhelming piles and regaining control. We also discuss the different types of hoarders, how grief and hoarding are connected, and how to help someone who is hoarding. Just before we begin, if you enjoy my podcast and want to know how you can help me continue making them possible, please consider subscribing wherever you listen and leaving a five-star review. And please continue sharing this podcast with friends and family and keep sharing about it on social media. I love seeing what you guys have found helpful. And now, on to today's episode. Elaine, I'm so interested in what you've got to share with me today. Thank you so much for coming on this podcast. And I'm really, really very, very excited to hear what you've got to share. I'm happy to be here. Wonderful. Well, before we start, our viewers heard your bio, but can you tell us a little bit about yourself that's not in your bio? You know, something that interests you and something that's diff- something that's not in your bio that motivates you. What you know? Why do you do what you do? So I think some of the things that actually day to day give me the the focus and the energy and the passion to do what I do is the fact that I love what I do. And it really, I've always really looked for things to apply myself or dedicate myself to that make a difference how well you are listening to whoever or whatever is the focus Mm. of what you're doing. And then based on what you hear and what you understand, how well you do it. So in in therapy, for instance, and hoarding in particular, which is what drives me, it all looks like the same mess on the floor. But Mm -hmm. the path in is very unique to the person Mm. and very individual. And that is the path. Those are the vulnerabilities, the beliefs, the fears, the dreams that people have that I need to really understand and drill down on because that's the path I need to help them walk out of Mm. this situation because that is their path and they never lose themselves in that they never Mm. have to become something or follow a formula or be anything other than who they are and that's just is my juice right I really like that I really like that so you're really focusing on the individual and really focusing on what got them there and helping them to retrace without them losing their identity you're just basically almost helping them reclaim their identity which is amazing exactly so as, you well, as, the, as well as their space yeah as well as their space yeah physically and mentally <laughs> Yeah, that's so, and I'm, and I'm excited to see the link between the two. So, and it's very appropriate. I mean, this podcast is called Cleaning Up the Mental Mess. So we have to do it. We had to do a podcast on hoarding because that is really, you know, it's another, it's a whole another thing that we're talking about in relationship to the mental mess. So you're the founder of the Canadian National Hoarding Coalition, which is so interesting, and just wrote a book called The Conquer the Clutter. Can you talk about this book and how does hoarding affect mental health? How, how can your book help someone? So... The reason I wrote the book is because there's a dearth of resources, appropriate resources. This is not about organizing. 
thing. This mm-hmm. is not about cleaning your house up. This is not about going to the shop and buying lots of boxes. <laughs> and or no, it is not. And it is not about fo- following a formula. It's about all of the ways that you have become overwhelmed that have brought you to this point where you're at a grinding halt and you're living probably with an unacceptable level of risk to your physical health, but also to your mental health. Because that state of being overwhelmed is never going to get you out of this. It's not a matter of pulling up your socks or get organized. It's a little bit you do every day. Those trite things don't work when you're in this state. And what that also means that so many people fail to understand is that that very part of your brain that you rely on for strategic thinking, Mm -hmm. you rely on for making that plan that you can make work, not somebody can make work, but you can make Mm -hmm. work. That can't happen because that state of overwhelmed has certainly interfered with and probably shut down that executive function part of your brain. It's yeah. like walking through mud up to your hips. Yeah. Right? And so I wrote this book so that you never have to be alone with your hoarding just because you can't find appropriate resources or even if they're there, you can't afford them. Or Mm -hmm. you've gotten to a point where you're too ashamed to reach out and you're afraid. You're afraid that Mm -hmm. if you do reach out, somebody will report you. So Mm -hmm. this book is practical. It's hands-on. It's very, it's full of tools and resources that help you find you Mm -hmm. among the mess so that you can generate what you need to start moving forward in baby steps. Mm. And and also to regain not just your space, but the life that you want to have in that space and now outside that space as well. Mm, that's wonderful. That's so important. And you, what you said about the brain in terms of dropping down executive function, I do mind brain research and clinical trials and things. And we saw with people that were people that are battling to, if their life's a mess and their mind's a mess and everything's a mess, you actually see little red areas in the brain with the energy levels, like kind of through the middle. And that's the corpus callosum and the middle part with cognitive flexibility. And then as they feel more organized and more mind managed, you see that changing. So there's a very real effect in the brain. I just wanted to mention that because you spoke about that and it's you know it supports what you're saying and so, your self-esteem feeds that your ah, self-respect yeah, so your good. sense of moment to moment day-to-day safety that feeds that because you're sending mm. the very hormones to your brain that are going to keep you down when you feel that badly that ashamed and that fearful mm. Mm. so you're hiding behind it's just you're hiding behind all the clutter you're stuck, totally stuck. Wow. So let's just quickly define hoarding, that this is not just having clutter and a mess, because a lot of people do just have a mess. Let's talk about what it is, that what, what is actually hoarding where people actually need you know, intervention or help. Absolutely. Well, it's a continuum. Mm-hmm. So it depends on where you come in in the life cycle. It can just look like that clutter that, you know, take the phone off the hook, lock the door, spend the weekend cleaning up. If you have to do that repeatedly, or that is a pattern for you, you may be on the path. You may be on the path to what, given enough time, because there are about three paths that lead to hoarding and keep you there. Okay, so tell us those three paths. Well, let me tell you the definition first, Mm -hmm. okay? So the Diagnostic Manual of Mental Health Disorders version 5 is about four pages long, but when you boil it down, it amounts to three criteria. Each one of those criteria, even to a minimal degree, must be present for this to be hoarding. Not every mess on the floor is hoarding. There must be what most people would describe as an excessive accumulation and a failure to discard or resolve in some way proportionately. All right. It's not a matter of one thing in and one thing out. If you can do that, you're nowhere on the path. The second criteria is some or all of the living spaces can no longer be used for their intended purpose. Mm -hmm. That's important. Mm -hmm. And the third is either someone is actively distressed, would be you, someone else, your family, your friends, 
or if they had accurate knowledge of the condition of the environment, they would have a legitimate cause to be concerned. Now, that can be your neighbor who shares your risk. Actually, they probably share more risk because they don't know to be careful. They don't know what the risk is around them. So they're not taking precautions. Could be your mortgage company. It could be your home insurance or your apartment insurance company. Could be bylaw, property standards, the fire department, children's services, services for the elderly. So anyone who has a legitimate right to know the condition of the property, if they knew the truth, even though they don't know now, that box has to be ticked. So each of those three boxes and then the three paths are, first of all, we do know that in about 50 to 84% of individuals, depending on whose research you listen to, have a, who hoard, have a first degree family relative who hoards. That's a mother, father, sister, brother. All right. We also know the power of modeling behavior. Is it, you know, is it your genetics or is it your environment right is it both Mm -hmm. and it pretty it's hard we all do what we know Mm -hmm. that's our default right and so if you have not been exposed to a family or individuals parents who have skills and abilities to handle stress anxiety challenge confusion items, just inanimate items, then chances are you're not going to have the skill set on your own through growing up and you will model, not deliberately, but you won't have the skills and strategies to manage what may make you overwhelmed in your life. All right. You can't hit a target if you don't know what the target looks like. Mm. And I have had people come to me, Carolyn, who simply didn't know what normal looked like Mm. and they didn't know how to get there. Literally was all messed up. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The second path is there are certain comorbidities which is really just a $5 word for other mental health or physical health conditions, right? That puts you at a higher risk of all, do they cause it? No, they don't cause it. But they put you at a higher risk of also developing hoarding disorder. And here's the trick though. Once hoarding disorder has set in, you now have a separate entity. It's a new disorder. It isn't caused by or affected by the other comorbidity, which could be OCD, OCPD, ADD, ADHD, social anxiety. There's a list in the book. There's a list. It's a defined list. And there is a correlation between the two. If you manage that comorbidity better, the best you can hope for is that you're going to be able to be more available physically, mentally, spiritually for the work you now have to do on hoarding. And the third and final Mm -hmm. path is, this doesn't go on forever. No, 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 it's fine. I just wanted to make a point, but let's finish first. Yeah. The The third path is a path that is particularly scary because I don't think very many of us really are exempt from it or safe from it. And that is individuals who struggle with a certain amount of clutter, okay, just chronically, repeatedly. They're they're just not the most organized individuals. And they don't have the most organized, self-regulated lives. That can be a pattern among people, but it can also be stages of your life. They get a little more confusing. And so whatever is causing that, we know that life sends you things, sends you events. And so here you are struggling with clutter and order, self-regulation, and then something, either a major event or a series of smaller events, but in a compressed period of time occur. And you can't restabilize in between. And many people, that was their first baby step on the path to hoarding. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, makes sense. So there's a there's a scale from you know these little steps that and people will manage it and they'll be fine and you know go through up and down and just the normal things of life. Otherwise, some people it can progress into something that becomes something that disrupts their life. Just in terms of the DSM, I have such a problem with the DSM. I'll be honest with you up front because of the fact that it just sticks people in boxes. And yeah, and it's I always say it's great for firewood and that's about it. But you know, I think I think what's good in terms of helping people to have their definitions, but for people to not be locked into a label and think, oh gosh, I've got an illness. That always that always concerns me. So it's so good that we actually define for people, it's so good to understand the description so people can understand the, the difference. But do and not you think that there's something you might have 10%. Yeah. Everybody who has OCD doesn't have major OCD. You're on, it's a yeah. continuum. And it, it, because it's a it's continuum. More, yeah, it's more like a signal, I think. And I think it's easier for people because I think we've got so caught up in this this labeling thing that I think it locks people in. So I agree with you. I like the continuum thing. And I know it's moving in that direction as well with the, all the new ways of looking at helping people manage. And if it is a continuum, right, yeah. then you can move down that to more severe, but that also means you can move up. Exactly. And you can find where you are and you can control it because you said something. Exactly. Neuroplasticity. We're all capable of change. We are all. Your your past is not your destiny. Yes. And they they hear me. I'm so glad you said that. And I'm so glad you said self-regulation because I do a lot of neuroplasticity research and I have for years. And so my audience is very familiar with the concept of neuroplasticity and self-regulation. So I'm so glad you said those things because when we self-regulate, we can change our brain in the right direction. So that's fantastic. Now, that's wonderful. Before we continue with today's episode, I want to tell you about a life-changing product that everyone needs, Blue Blocks Glasses. I just finished writing my latest book, which will be out March 2021, and spent countless nights writing and researching till the early mornings. I can honestly say this would not have been possible without Blue Blocks' blue light blocking glasses. Before using Blue Blocks glasses, I used to get the worst headaches staring at my computer and phone, which would also make me more moody and compromise my work and deplete my energy. After interviewing Andy, the founder of Blue Blocks, I realized just how important blocking artificial blue light is for mental and physical health. I cannot stress enough how these glasses have changed my life and made hard work a little less painful. Get 15% off your order today when you use the code DRLEAF at checkout. Just go to blueblocks.com and use the code DRLEAF at checkout. The link and details will be in the show notes. Okay, so can you give us an example of one practical strategy for getting out from overwhelming piles and regaining control? Absolutely. First of all, don't give up on yourself. That's number one. Number number two, put yourself on pause. Okay. And stop the self-blame. Stop the self-blame. All right. You're only only digging yourself in a deeper hole. Mm -hmm. All right. You need that part of yourself to fight for yourself and be on your own team. So a really simple strategy that I developed respects the fact that every single one of us, no matter what we have, if it is in our environment and it remains in our environment, we have a relationship with it. Myself, you, everybody. So a hoarder is no different. All right. And so Every single thing you have, though, fits on a continuum. Imagine it Mm -hmm. from one to ten. All right. That continuum is divided into three chunks. And those three chunks define the level of relationship. So one, two, three are your absolute top priority. You can't imagine life without it. You know when you find those things in the piles because your response is, oh, there you are. There's a very protective sort of almost magnetic relationship, okay? The one, two, threes, nobody gets to say that it makes sense, that it's okay, that it's worth being a one, two, three, except for you. The one caveat is if it's irreparably, irreversibly contaminated, let's have a tiny bit of a different conversation about it. Mm, Okay. And you're talking specifically about goods, physical items, things in your home. The the things in the piles, imagine them on this continuum. Okay. And let's go to the other end of the spectrum. It's easier to do both polar opposite. Sounds good. Seven, eight, nine, ten. Those are the things that when you see them, you think, well, something's got to go. 
So it sure isn't going to be the one, two, threes. <laughs> okay. Or what's that silly thing still doing here? I thought, I, no, I can get, I could let go of that. Right. It's the four, five, six is where you dance. Mm, right? Makes sense. But there's an easy way to, and I think, and many of my hundreds of my clients have found when they tried it, it's an easy way because you're respecting yourself and your own response, your values, your beliefs your plans. Take the very best example of a one, two, three, that strongest thing. And it doesn't matter what it is. Take the very best example of the seven of the seven, eight, nine, ten, And just like a Geiger counter, physically run it by the item you're trying to decide and say, is it closer to a one, two, three, or is it closer to a seven, eight, nine, ten? Oh, it's such a good idea. Internal response, your mm-hmm. own kinesthetic response. All right. And if it's closer to the one, two, threes, we're going to call that the fours. And we're not going to worry about the fours. The fours can stay beside the one, two, threes. Because truth is, in 19 years of doing nothing but this, six and seven days a week in every time slot, that's how frequent this behavior happens. I've never had an individual who couldn't find space, true, usable, accessible space in their environment for all of the one, two, threes and most of the fours. Mm. I've never had that happen. So wow. I'm just taking that on faith. Wow, that's the great. Seven, when you take the sevens and you go over the piles, basically you're identifying the sixes. All right. So let's take those and let's, we won't decide right now. We'll just set those closer to the seven, eight, nine, ten. Now, the only thing you have to decide is the fives. You've just cut Mm -hmm. down one through 10 to one type of category or, and before you decide, really important, before you decide what is a one, two, three, what is a four, five, six, what is a seven, eight, nine, 10, deal here. Don't make your mind up one at a time as you discover them because you'll fall in love one at a time. Mm-hmm. You'll reminisce one at a time. Sit down and just exercise a little bit of self-regulation by setting out what are the criteria. What makes something a one, two, three for you? Mm-hmm. What makes something a seven, eight, nine, ten for you? And so by what's left is what makes something a four, five, six for you. Mm. All right. And then you only have the fives to decide. Seven, eight, nine, tens can be resolved in whatever way is appropriate for the item. The one, two, three, probably the four is two. We're going to find a permanent home place Mm -hmm. that's accessible um, for you to enjoy those things. Mm -hmm. And the fives. Okay, let's talk about the fives. But now you've got a pile this big, not this big. Because the, all the six, seven, eight, nine, tens have gone. The one, two, threes are getting their homes. So you've now just sitting with one pile and then you've got to be very strict. So there's a lot of self-regulation here because you have to be quite strict and stick to your criteria because I'm sure the temptation jumps in that, ooh, I would like to keep this. You know, this is a... Or reminiscing and getting lost and distracted in the reminiscing. Mm. So that's where you can be your own coach. Many people are. However, if there is one person that you trust who will respect you and not try to overwhelm you with their opinions, who would feed you back your criteria as you're deciding. Mm -hmm. So how... And the question you can ask yourself if you're going to be your own coach is, okay, just a second. How does this fit the criteria, my criteria for a one, two, three? I love it. It makes me feel good about myself. I I can't tell you why, but aesthetically, it's just, it just fills me. Okay. And so do, do these items fit that criteria? 
So you you check it off. Do that before you start approaching the piles. That's or you good. will fall in love one at a time. Again. Okay. That's so good. That's so that's so practical and something that people can just go and do straight away. So whether they at the extreme end of either part of the spectrum or just somewhere in the middle, which is probably where everyone you can you can use that as a great strategy to to clean out the clutter. Absolutely you can. And you're respecting yourself. Mm, you're respecting the like values that. you have and also that intrinsic part of yourself that is hard to rationalize, but you respond to it. Yeah, that's so good. I love that. I love that. So let's just pivot to, in your experience, because you've been in this for a long time now, as you said, it's like 20, 19 years now. Why do people hoard? We don't know what causes it. We can't say we know what causes it. I believe people hoard because they get overwhelmed and they don't understand their vulnerabilities Mm. they really don't understand what about their genetics i can't tell you how many people carolyn when i'm working with them have never realized that they're living with adult add and adhd like it's phenomenal and the correlate between add and adhd and ocd is what 20 percent and they see these as little snippets of problematic behavior rather than a pattern that if they understood that about themselves, they now can gain some management skills of it. They can see where those thinking patterns could be anxiety, could be depression that are added into it. Half the Western world suffers with depression and anxiety. I think at the moment that's jumped up a lot higher with everything that else is going on. But that's, I mean, actually every human, my, my philosophy is that every single human battles with anxiety, depression, etc. That's not a disease at all. None of, I don't no, at diseases. some time. Exactly. It's a, it's a human reaction to what's going on in life. Yeah. But unmanaged, it can manifest in different things. It can, how it plays out. Yes. Mm. But if you don't own it, without shame. Mm. It's almost like your blue eyes or your green eyes. All right. How do you use that? How do you prevent that from costing you something in your life? First of all, understand it. Yeah. Secondly, accept it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then make it then work make more for you. Make it work for you rather than against you. Yeah. And that's doable. Gosh, there's so much good information in print out there that you know you're to help people to mm. i know really good information well that's wonderful to know so you mentioned the but you've just referenced a little bit about the genetic link and there are some you you said they've done i mean i we've got to be so cautious when we talk about chromosomes or genes when it comes to anything because no gene ever operates in isolation so i just want to do put that out front there i know there's research there's so much genetic research on every single type of disorder and it's also not like they causative but there is implications so it's just it's just more like a proclivity it's a potential it's a potential yeah exactly it's and it's a got to be a possibility that's fantastic signal of possibility and so there is some work in the chromosomes i see i see that you've mentioned that in your your and johns hopkins did a collaborative study where they found when there's a familial inheritance pattern with ocd Mm. chromosome 14 also may is more likely to have markers in common yeah, and that doesn't mean that you're definitely going to get it. I'm just saying this for the audience. It just means it's a proclivity potentially there. It may never, because genes are basically zipped up until they're activated. So it could be some trigger in an environment, like you said earlier on, the part, the different pathways could trigger something. But it, aging, a trauma, job, yeah, whatever, can some sort of trigger could activate for sure. Let's pivot over to helping others. So if you know you've got a, a friend or a loved one or someone who is is you've noticed is hoarding like you can't even get in their front door kind of thing what do you do to help them how could you how could you help them make sustainable changes in their lifestyle so the very first thing is kindness and compassion i like it not not sympathy okay that's great Mm -hmm. no no kindness and compassion and paramount respect this is not a broken defective human being this is somebody who is overwhelmed and humility Mm. this could happen to you as well you are not exempt just because you're not in that situation and then understand that 
even a person who's on their knees in defeat, or who's that overwhelmed, has strengths. What are their strengths and help them work from their strengths? Mm. Don't do it for them. All right, do it with them. That's why when I go out, I'm a, I'm a very practical mm. social worker. If it doesn't work when the rubber hits the road, it's not worth talking about. <laughs> and I so, like that. Mm -hmm. um, I do therapy on site in the environment. I coach, but I also, and this is one of the reasons we had to reschedule. I had a new client who I, because of COVID, I just made a home visit, and when I realized how severe it was, you could not get in the front door. We had to reschedule because. But she has so much strength, even though she's lost track of it. Mm. And we work from her strength. And safety is first. Okay? Yeah. Always people who are in this environment, you need to understand when you're trying to help somebody safety first, there are no rules. All right. Mm. But most jurisdictions have a fire code. Yeah. All right. And so you want to understand what that fire code is. What are the details? You don't have to call the fire department necessarily about it. Although sometimes I've had some of my best support for my clients has been fire inspection officers who come out on an information and then work with the client and I, not oppressively, mm -hmm. not in a hyper serious enforcement role, but more as in a, okay, yes, that's what we were talking about. That area now is clear enough. And that compromise, that baby step. Mm -hmm. Also, you have to, in the respect for individuals when you're trying to help them, you need to understand what they believe mm. all right and you have to work within that belief system so if somebody is a major recycler you can't go in and try to enforce your values of throw it all out yeah yeah all right you have to work uh, from the perspective their paradigm yeah, yeah. Beca because what you need to understand is this person's already overwhelmed. And when you go in with your own ideas and your own formula and your own beliefs, mm -hmm. what you're really going to do is ramp this person's anxiety up. They're going to get worse. It's not going to be, you may clean out their house, but it's not going to be sustainable. And you know what? It'll be back mm -hmm. worse than it was before, faster. If you go in, sometimes things have been left beyond the ability for safety reasons, yeah. the ability to wait and work slowly sometimes. And sometimes you have to do what you have to do, but that should be an absolute last resort because it will happen again. It will happen worse and it will happen faster. Mm -hmm. And that person now will be more resistant and more working to stay under the radar. Mm -hmm. All right. And you can you can, and I've seen this happen with people who have come to me, you can put someone into a psychotic break mm. by, by removing their things. Because that's um, the anchor to reality. What I say is when you go in and you see the amount of stuff, that's what it takes to fill the void that person feels inside. Mm. So you want to think long and hard before you're you know, expeditiously removing things, returning it to a more normal environment, because what is that person going to use? Mm -hmm. And even though you've thrown things out, if the per or gotten rid of things that they say, oh, no, this is garbage, sure. But if the person has not, if they feel the need, quite often they do, to check and recheck things. And sometimes that's not so much OCD. Sometimes it's part of, depending on the degree, it's part of hoarding behavior because you've, you've lost track of what you're walking on. That's almost like they each experience, each emotion. So the information and the emotions in each thought are being almost attached to objects or clusters of objects. So if you're moving that, it's like you, so they've externalized the internalized, it's, it's externalizing of the internal Process. mind issue. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you've got to be so careful. And so that kind of, 
and the certainty too. Yeah. If that's gone, because then what happens, you see, Carolyn, is weeks later, the person's looking for something. It isn't something you removed, but they can't find it. And bags and bags and bags went out before they had a chance to make sure. All right. So it'll put them They're in a wondering, oh, is it lost? Yes. Yeah. Is it lost? Is it gone? Did I lose it? Mm. So Every that person can find something that can happen. So you, it's very important that you sort out the so the emotional side is sorted out almost a little bit first before you start the removal. So there's the emotional work, mental work done first, and then you together work on a plan through that. As you said, that seven, that one, two, the, there's the continuum from one through ten. So it takes a bit of so it's a preparation, and then there's the action. Yes, absolutely. The other thing too is the person's availability doesn't stay stable. So that's interesting. Each session might be a different, not probably different values, but a different pace. So you work from the person's preferences and you respect them, even if you don't agree, and you work at their pace. Okay. And the pace Very can good change. Advice. The pace can change. So you've got to really tune in. So it really does take a lot of You have work to respect to people. You've got to yeah. respect people. So, and be yeah. very aware of the body language. You know, I, I'm watching, for instance, the color. I'm watching the brilliance of the eyes. I'm watching little grimaces. I'm watching where they're breathing. Because 50% of communication is none is is non-verbal. So you're looking for all those cues. So people should be, that's very, very, very good advice. Looking for a delicious way to get more veggies and water in daily? Here's my secret. Organifi Red Juice. A deliciously refreshing sweet fruit punch packed with micronutrients and only 2 grams of naturally occurring sugars. The red juice includes 11 superfoods like cordyceps, a medicinal mushroom with incredibly strong adaptogenic qualities. In 1993, the Chinese Women's Olympic track team was accused of being on steroids for their incredible performance. Turns out they were all using cordyceps. This is an all-natural, safe, flavorless mushroom dried into a powder. I love adding red juice to my water for a refreshing berry flavor, and all the antioxidants really help boost my energy levels naturally, making this a great midday pick-me-up. And red juice is USDA, organic, gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, vegan, non-GMO, clinically proven ingredients, 100% organic whole food. Right now, Organifi is offering my listeners an amazing deal. Get 15% of your entire order now with code DRLEAF at checkout. Just go to Organifi.com forward slash DRLEAF and use the code DRLEAF. That's Organifi.com forward slash DRLEAF with the code DRLEAF. I wanted to just in on that, this is such good, interesting information, so helpful. Can you define the difference between adaptive and maladaptive hoarding? For sure. So every person who went through the depression who saves string isn't a hoarder. Okay. okay. And de- depression, the Great Depression never caused hoarding. Because what it what it can do is it can do something we call adaptive hoarding. So you have an experience, it gives you a profound experience, it's a life changer probably, and, and you adapt to it. All right. Mm. So, but the difference is when you're keeping these things, you're keeping things that you're actually using. Mm, okay. But you're just stocking up in case you run out. In ca- and and but, but, so maladaptive hoarding, individuals who engage in maladaptive hoarding or stuff there, they believe that too. Here's the acid test. Nothing goes to waste. All right. And individuals who adaptively hoard, things are used before the expiry date. They uh-huh. don't keep things with the belief that they are prepared against the vagaries of life, all right? But actually, the, those tins, that what they're keeping no longer has the nutritional value. It may actually have become a noxious substance, mm. all right? So, so that would be malad- considered maladaptive versus the adaptive. Yeah, and maladaptive is you, you've got a freezer or more, of frozen food, but you, you've gone for yeah. Ill advised to be eating very much of it. 
Yeah, because it's been there for too long. Let me ask you a funny question. This is for, for a moment. What about this whole thing with that we had a run on toilet rolls in this across the world over when COVID started? How people just went insane for and toilet rolls ran out and people were hoarding toilet rolls. You know, of all the things they could have hoarded, you know, is that it was that adaptive hoarding? I mean, there was like a global pandemic on toilet roll hoarding. <laughs> Really, why toilet either. rolls? It could be either. When when toilet paper was back on the on the shelves, did you still have a room full of it? Okay, it kind yeah. of is your acid test. So That's here's, good. Here's, here's the thing. That was kind of an irony, and I had to chuckle to tell yeah. you the truth because the, when I saw that, I thought to myself, "Well, good." Now, every one of you who watch hoarders and hoarding buried alive know what it feels, feels like. like that panic that they just because people were panicking they were fighting over toilet rolls but why toilet rolls is it that you you know there's the common psychological thing that once one person starts it it can just be spread like wildfire and it influences i'm afraid i'm going to do without yeah. and toilet paper if you think about it there are certain things if you run out of water you're sunk yeah okay, you can go without food for a while but you yeah. can't go without water three days and, and that's it mm-hmm. yeah and if you think about it many times a day we have a physical response yeah. to needing toilet paper. Exactly. And so I think people, even though the COVID for, we didn't know at that time, had any gastrointestinal symptoms. No, we didn't know no. that at that time. It's just, and water. Did you notice water yes, as yes. well? Yeah. So those things I think people associate with security for life. Interesting. Okay. So that, and that would be sort of almost, almost an adaptive hoarding reaction to. Well, it could be depending on, well, here's the other thing If you still got, if your whole house is just toilet rolls, then then we know there's a problem. (laughs) Well, uh, you know, I didn't go out. I thought, no, you have to live, you have to walk the talk, Elaine. You're not going out and you're going to load up on toilet paper. Exactly. (laughs) We ran out actually, but let me tell you, one one of the things that I, I, teach my my clients is if you just watch the universe provides you're not alone Mm. in this world Mm. all right that if you don't know the answer you know the person who knows the person who knows the answer Mm, that's so true and it will come to you okay if yeah. your if your radar are up, we were doing we were just finishing up some construction in the house at that time when we were out of the dollar neighbor. And one of the workmen came in and I said to him, he had to go to the store for something. And I said, While you're there, would you just see if they have any toilet paper? And he 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 said, No, they didn't. I said, well, okay, I guess we're just in Kleenex for a while. And then the next day he came in and he said, but I had to go to, and I won't mention the store. And he said, another store on my way in here with parts. And he said, they were just loading the shelves with toilet paper. So he said, I got you. We were only allowed to get two packages. Yeah. Two packages. You're allowed to do back. So I got you two packages of, of 24 rolls each. I said, well, you know what? The universe provides what you there need, you what you need well, we, in the order you need it. They do. Well, we were laughing so much. The one day we were going for a walk, and this was probably five or six weeks into into quarantine. And one of our neighbors, who obviously had bought so many, had a little bag of toilet rolls outside this house and said, help yourself. <laughs> You know, so there the universe was providing. Yeah, so it was very funny. And then all the jokes, I mean, it became memes, it was ear, even earrings that were toilet rolls. So it was quite fun. Okay, just I'd like to just quickly get over to grief and hoarding. Could we talk about a little bit about grief and hoarding? So if you think about grief, grief is in some way a loss. And that experience of loss can make people who are already Mm. vulnerable Mm. who have a predilection for hoarding that Mm. that third path for instance carolyn Mm -hmm. of you know i'm fighting to stay on top of things and now something happens and so you're already probably feeling vulnerable in some way and then grief removes either one of the kingpins, one of the table legs of your life. Mm. If it's a relationship or your status, your health, your 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 whatever makes you feel important and worthwhile, your self-esteem mm. as well. When you're when those kingpins of maintaining yourself get damaged, get challenged, are made vulnerable or disappear, you're now 
in a real deficit. Mm -hmm. And that adds to that sense of maybe not mattering to anybody, Mm -hmm. being so ashamed you don't matter to yourself, you don't, Mm -hmm. you're not worthy, you don't have the right to this, you have to be vulnerable and afraid of being discovered, what would happen, how would you how would you defend yourself? So that grief cannot just be death. Mm. It can be anything. All kinds of things, yeah. It can be anything. And it puts you in that vulnerable state or it in, it increases it of being overwhelmed. Mm. And then... And then for some reason, the physical seems to... This yeah, is like, so, well, of course, you... Your mind, your body and your mind work as a team. If one of the team members is AWOL or in trouble, the team is not functioning. Mm. And you can wear your team out. All right? And so grief and loss are... Do that. Yeah, no, that makes so much sense. What about the, what tips can you share for a compulsive shopper? Especially with Amazon and it's so easy to, many different ways of shopping, but it's really become very easy. So one of the things, um, I, I developed a system called Conscious Acquiring, and there's also a whole chapter, a whole segment on online shopping, okay? So I'm just going to give you kind of the Reader's Digest version of this, Perfect. because they can go to the book for the step-by-step. The very Perfect. first thing is, what would it take for you to allow yourself to go on pause? Just go on pause and take a deep breath, all right? Because if this is a good idea now, it'll be a good idea tomorrow, all right? And it's Mm. not going anywhere. You can always, if you're afraid that this is a deal, if you didn't go into the store planning, if that's not in your, your memory banks back here, I'm looking for this sort of thing, then you went in and you saw it, you may be, probably are reacting to the way they manage your marketing by attracting you, by creating that, oh, it's running out. Oh, there's only a certain number. You may be responding to that. All right. And I actually had a practicing psychiatrist as a client who had it's in the book, who had a, a double size garage, 70% full of unopened shopping channel boxes. Wow. Because, because anybody's vulnerable to needing mm. that little jolt of joy mm. when you're not getting your needs met. All right. And that's why in the book, I also have a a goal setting strategy for people where you balance. It's not just about I want to clean up my house. I want to own a Porsche. Mm -hmm. I want to do this. But keeping yourself regulated, I think, needs three components for goals. The first is if you want to have the fuel to make anything happen in your life and keep it happening on track for you, you need to look in a deliberate way every single day for those little bits of joy. Mm -hmm. You need to stay in touch with the child inside you Mm -hmm. because the child inside you has hope Mm -hmm. and has energy. So joy, fun, fun Mm -hmm. is the juice that kind of makes you realize I'm still alive. I'm still Mm -hmm. in the game and play play is the child. Mm -hmm. Okay. When you don't have any responsibilities for, for, 15 minutes or half an hour a day, indulge yourself in finding joy, fun, and play. The second goal is people do a whole lot better, particularly when they feel not up to something, inadequate. They do a whole lot better when they remind themselves that they are growing, learning, developing human beings, even in tiny steps, learn to knit learn to crochet, learn to do one line on the word puzzle thing in the Mm -hmm. paper, learn to, what do you want to know a little more about? Mm -hmm. Learn one new word, whatever is important to you that you've always wanted to know a little more about or do a little better, get that much better at it every day. And then the third goal has to be self-maintenance. All right. Mm -hmm. We have to maintain our lives and our environment and self-care so that we can actually participate in life. Mm 
And I, te- I tell people, it's like a teeter-totter. Mm-hmm. Okay, he, At this end is the joy, fun, play. In the middle is that learning, growing, developing mm-hmm. human being. And over here is the boring old work that we all have to do. Mm-hmm. All right? So if you major in joy, fun, play, your teeter-totter is not working. If mm. you major in growing, learning, developing human being, your teeter-totter isn't doing anything. It's stagnant. Mm-hmm. If you major and wear yourself out with the responsibilities of work, your teeter-totter is not working. You need that balance mm. to give yourself the juice, the focus, and that sense of being worthwhile enough to be worth the effort. Love it. That's fantastic. I love that. Where can people find out more about you? I have a plethora of resources, free resources on my website, hoarding.ca. If you get a copy of Conquer the Clutter, Strategies to Identify, Manage, and Overcome Hoarding, it looks like this. Yeah, mine's on. I meant to hold mine up. It's in in my, it's somewhere in front of me. (laughs) Sorry. Um, Then on Johns Hopkins website, uh, Johns Hopkins University Press website, We have 27 strategies and and tools in this book alone. They were kind enough to put 47 more that we developed that we didn't include in the book because the book would have been too big and too expensive to buy. On the John Hopkins website, they can pick up 47 strategies to conquering cancer. 47 more in addition to To the the basic ones in, in here. The other thing is every week I have a podcast that I host on Zoom every Wednesday morning from 11 o'clock till noon Eastern time. We're dealing with procrastination right now, which is a fundamental experience that people who board uh, encounter, but, and it's an interactive one. So there, half of it is psychoeducational on some topic that people want to know about. And the other is answer question and answer. So you get to ask your questions and I get, I get to talk to you and give advice. Wonderful. That's fantastic. Well, we'll put all that information in the show notes so people can get the book and get access to the resources and get to John Hopkins sites and get to your book and all that. So thank you so much for enlightening us about this. Such, it's, it's such an important thing to talk about. I mean, it's not spoken about enough. So thank you very much for your interesting information and your wisdom. I really appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me, Carolyn. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful. If you want more tips and help with managing anxiety, depression, and mental health, be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com and to sign up for my weekly newsletter where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leaf. Also, I love seeing all your posts on social media about this podcast. I love seeing what resonates with you and what you've learned. So be sure to continue posting and tagging me and letting me know what you think and how these tips worked out for you. And don't forget, leave a review and keep spreading the word about this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you learned something new and helpful. Till then... I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf. This podcast represents the opinions of myself and my guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions or corrections of errors.